بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam okay so apologies for anyone who tried to log in yesterday because we did not have class but hopefully you all know now that we do have class today because you are Yeah. Having said that, uh, let us get right into the ayat. Hold this up. Hold this up. And once again, Nod, let me know you can see the the Quran on your screen. Translations. Very good. Let me just adjust one thing here. Okay. So we had we had uh, uh, the big uh, bulk of our discussion last time was about. Uh, almost what we would almost call a conflict situation. Uh, we spoke about how to how to react when the Prophet peace be upon him is being insulted, and 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 we had a couple of core principles. Number one is that you should absolutely be offended by by insults on the Prophet peace be upon him, mocking of him, but you should also have internal self confidence that does not compel you to try to. Uh, Turn society upside down, so to speak. But <clears throat> having said that, uh, we're also seeing this ayah, the essential principle and another essential principle of Islam, which is basically the part we already know, which is simply surrender. Now, when we speak of obedience, the, the, the logic is very simple. Okay, Allah says do, and then we seek to do, we try to do. And then for all the times we fall short, we seek forgiveness for all the ways we, different, we didn't fall short. And then if we make this wider, uh, when I spoke about, uh, when I've been main, mentioning that, that scripture in general, the Quran in particular, is dictating how reality operates, then what we're also saying is that I am surrendering my vision of reality to Allah's vision, to Allah's dictation of reality. And and so so this especially plays out when I think about how life should operate on matters of of justice, on matters of peace, on matters of of distribution of wealth and such. And, And so... So one of the brutal realities of this world that we've been discussing, especially when we were talking about suffering way back then, seems so long ago now, uh, is that by default, this world is not fair. And no matter how much I want this world to be fair, we will have micro moments of fairness. But ultimately, this world is not going to be fair. Now, when I'm saying that I have to submit my vision of reality to Allah's vision of reality, that does not mean I, 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 I drop all of my ambitions on life and how, what can be accomplished. Because at the same point, we're also saying that when we're, we're making dua, this is also again a number of classes ago, we should aim as high as possible. So don't just ask for paradise, ask for the top level of paradise. Don't seek just an A, seek an A+. And so... So also within that, then your ambitions should not be uh, uh, cut short. One of the challenges of, of the common Muslim today is it's almost like you're told to have one foot in this world and one foot in the next world, and you're 50% in both, in each. 
And so to think of, of what is uh, an ideal relationship between this world and the next world, let me draw once again, one of my fantastic charts. Once again, Nod, let me know you can see the whiteboard. Yes, okay, pretty good. So we have this world and then we have next world. So we have some people, sorry. Fine. The common sentiment that we have of Islam, the common way we teach Islam is that you skip this world and you seek the next world. Good. That is not entirely wrong, but what seems to be actually prescribed is you seek the best of this world and you seek the best of the next world. And that is not a contradiction. The key is to keep everything in its proper place of understanding. So you do seek the best of this world, and that includes what you're seeking out of this world and what you're seeking in terms of your own actions. So what I want from this world and as well as what I do. So the idea is I am also to give the best of my actions in the things that I do. So this is, these are all literally, I'm just taking narrations of the prophet, peace be upon him, that, that the believer is one who, who seeks to perfect whatever it is they do. The believer seeks the best in whatever it is they do. So this is our dean. Our dean, in my understanding, is, is that bottom line, that you're actually seeking the best of this world and you're seeking the best of the hereafter. And there's plenty of the time in the day to do both. Now, does this mean you're going to be able to fulfill all of your dreams of this world? No, of course not. If you're seeking all of your dreams of the Akhirah, you are going to be picking and choosing in the same way that if all you focused on in this world were your dreams and nothing about the Akhirah, you're still picking and choosing. Okay, so, so far, any thoughts, questions, reflections on this? Yeah, awesome. Um, I'm not sure if this is exactly what you're getting at, but the way Why I always, uh, the way I always sort of thought about it was, um, you seek pretty much whatever you want in this world, provided that it doesn't harm your chances of yeah the next. Yeah, I mean, so one contradiction would be that if if seeking you know, what I'm defining as the best of this world requires me to override God, then there's a problem. And, and so that part, yeah, that part would be, would be understood. Any other thoughts, reflections about this? So what I'm also suggesting because of, of this common notion that it's almost like either or, or you have to somehow do both, but can't. 
uh, one of our dominant cultures, especially in terms of Islam in our society, is this culture of mediocrity. I've already made one point that <clears throat> the uh, that the central problem in the community is not patriarchy, is not narcissism. Is I mean, we can say it's narcissism in a way, but uh, it's not even what I'm speaking of as mediocrity and such. Uh, the central problem is that we don't have uh, very many people doing the work of the community. That you have this many people doing the work of this many people. And, but one of the first big reasons for that and one of the first big consequences of that is this culture of mediocrity. So invest a ton of money in terms of an elaborate mosque, but do not invest a corresponding amount of money to maintain the mosque. And I've made the point many times, you know, many times in class and outside of class that very often when I'm teaching Dean, I have to dumb it down, even for the smartest students, because we've been so conditioned to dumb down our understanding of, of Dean. So what I'm suggesting here is that uh, way back we said, you know, one of the core aspects of Islam is this culture of, of relationships. Another core aspect in the submission to God is this culture of excellence. So of course it would be excellence in your relationships, but excellence in everything that you do. Okay, so now moving. So we about to say something. Can I? I sorry, yes, I'm Asma, I wanted, go for it. Yep. So, you know, in our past few classes, I'm trying to reconcile like this conclusion that you're trying to teach, which and trying to understand where I my understand there's a conflict that I'm seeing and I need to um, understand it better. And here's what the premise is. It's a couple of folds. Like we talked about how, um, you know, that if you're gonna ask, ask for an A plus, right? If you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ask, you had asked us about like, do we ask this for forgiveness or do we go all out, right? Yeah. We had talked about the obligation of us. Um, uh, um, I, I don't wanna say that well, but you know, we've been talking about like, I mean, that is what we've been talking about is our obligation. <laughs> okay, sorry that you can see that that's- yeah, there, we're all there's fasting, where, so it's all good. Yeah, this is where I'm trying to wrap my head around. And then we talked about, um, you know, right now, like on the one hand, you're, you're telling, you're sharing with us our ideals, right? Like where we want to be. But then on the other hand, when we do talk about the practicality, there's such a big disconnect, right? And so in my head, you know, it's like, no, I'm not going to ask for the A plus because I don't even know if I can get salvation. No, I'm not going to be doing that well because I'm not sure I have salvation. And no, I'm not gonna like, do you get what I'm saying? And it's not to be, it's not to be bought, watering the bar down, but mm -hmm. because of that reality that we keep talking about on the ground, mm -hmm. you know, you just stated how like there's such a lack of knowledge of the deen. Mm -hmm. So on all these fronts, it's like on the one hand, we're saying all these things, but then on the other hand, the practicality is just the reality mm -hmm. is just not there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so this is where I'm having a hard time grappling. Like, mm -hmm. I appreciate we're talking about ideals, mm -hmm. but I, I'm not seeing it okay, on, okay. on closing that gap, right? Yeah, we talk yeah, about like education, close the gap, like in education jargon, we talk about closing that knowledge gap. Mm -hmm. So 
closing yeah, that. No, date. I think I think these are these are uh, uh, very valid questions. Any thoughts? Anyone want to try to want to try to go for it from anyone else in the class? So, so among the points that Asma raised, so just in terms of the general points would be, uh, for example, okay, uh, if I have an obligation to do da'wah and I don't know if I'm going to have salvation, then what am I calling people to? And then on top of that, <clears throat> that um, uh, in terms of asking for the most from, from Allah, while again, I don't know if I have salvation, and so what I'm reading as a common point here is that there's a major point of our existence where it's an unknown, where we're not going to get the answer until we're on the other side, right? None of us in this class can claim uh, that any of us is going to have salvation. Inshallah, all of us will. Inshallah, all of us will have the top of Jannah. I mean, but uh, the point here is that how do we reconcile this aspiration for um, all these wonderful ideals if this seemingly fundamental question can't be answered. That's my, my sort of uh, caption. Yeah, and, and, and please, you know, I like, this isn't coming from a pessimistic. No, no, that's understood. You know, no, I know, I just, I know people don't know who I am. So I, it's yeah, yeah. very important. Every, like, everybody it's not here coming is my, my students, so, so we're all good. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. But because I've also experienced where there is a very pessimistic, negative point of view of, you know, like, oh, we're all doomed to have, this is not coming from that. This is yeah. coming from, I think even the other day you mentioned something about what we listen to or what we learn or what we hear impacts us, right? And so again, in my mind, it's like, wait, are, are we exposed to the cult, you know, the amount of stuff that goes on in YouTube and HBO, like all the stuff that we're exposed to, it, to me, it's, it, it's just like I said, I don't even know if I have my own salvation, uh, if that makes sense, again. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right, let's fire away. Uh, Adnan, what do you got? Uh, um, I guess, because uh, I feel like that a lot of that does resonate. Um, and I guess one of the things that I would, or I was thinking a lot is even when it comes to like the best Muslim or the most idealized group we could think of, they're not any in less of need of God than everyone else. So I guess because of that, you might, I don't know, not to say you might as well ask for, for the most, but it's not, it's the same agency and path that's going to get us Jannah, right? Like, it's not going to be, we hope our actions are accepted and help us, but at the end of the day, it's still God's decision. Mm -hmm. So and that's what we're ultimately reliant on, mm -hmm. um, good, however good or bad we are. So, so ultimately, in the same way a dua is a request as opposed to a demand. I mean, even if it's a demand, it's up to the it's up to the creator. It's understood that it's up to the creator to decide whatever it is I'm going to get. And then in the same way, that is also the fundamental answer to my salvation. That it's literally going to be up to the creator. Right? So even when we're saying that I'm going to be giving complete fairness on the day of judgment. At the end of the day, it's still going to be up to God what is deemed fair. And so, so then what you're saying is that we can't escape that, and that's what we work with. Okay. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Continue. Um, I also think asking for the most, uh, especially if you're assuming others are doing the same, is also a form of praise. 
because it's an acknowledgement that that God's bounty is boundless. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I think that that you know when we when we ask, uh, then what we're saying is like it, it goes back to that uh, you alone we turn to for help, right? And so just just the mere act of asking is a form of praise. And then if you're asking for the most, then uh, like the more you ask, the more you're praising. And therefore, if you ask for the most and you're asking, then you're also offering the most praise. Okay. So, so essentially, uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, what you're saying is the fact that you are asking, the fact that you are you are doing the work is also seeking to improve your salvation as well. So the fact that I'm calling people, uh, if I'm calling people, is also an attempt to improve my salvation. Okay. Uh, let's see. Stephanie Mirza says, I see parallels in terms of hijab. Some people say they would like to wear hijab, but don't feel like they're good enough, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've heard this very common, especially from undergrads they view it as representing some type of authenticity mm. instead of seeing it as a guideline or prescription regardless of one's level of faith okay so then so to build on to your point stephanie mirza then what you're saying is uh that at the end of the day none of us is good enough or none of us is actually required to be the perfect model but we're all required to on the one hand, obey, and we're required to just, you know, keep seeking to improve. Let me know if that works in terms of, oh, it does? Okay, very good. Uh, Malahat. Assalamualaikum. So, uh, Asma, I think is a multifaceted question. It's not a one, one straight answer for that. <laughs> so I think we always uh, ask for the best from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this dunya and akhra. That's why we have this So that's the one part. The second part is that if we keep asking for the dua and doing our best, so we've been asked to do our best. We did not ask to do the best and then, you know, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we've been asked to do the best. It's not that we have to say, okay, I'm going to do big grade job and look for the salvation. And second is to uh, to that point that you know in the Adab Sharia, Ibn Mafla, you know there's a there's a volume for that. Okay, it, 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 try to avoid the, the terminology. Keep going. No, 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 no. I'm I'm just giving the hawala of the book. You know that that you know if some in the some of the ulama wrote that you know if you're asking the one dua from the last twenty years, and that dua is not accepted, so don't be disarray, right? That means that you will get something better than that, or you will you will get like this door will be deposited against your behalf. So, so I think that's the thing. To your point, the one you mentioned that you know the we can make the best masjid, but we cannot able to maintain that. I think that's the training issue, because one generation put all their efforts to build the best masjid, but the next generation unable to keep up with that. So that's that's a different issue. Okay, uh, so I'll come back to that point in, in, in a moment, inshallah. Uh, Ahant, and then uh, Tosif. Assalamu alaikum. Um, you know, sort of like 
going like off of the, the question of you know whether or not we're you know like, you know obligated to do uh, uh, to do like dawa and like you know we're not all like perfect people as you said and we might not be uh, the perfect representative of Islam um, you know I'm like wondering in a sort of like theoretical sense you know like, like will we be held like accountable? if we're not sort of perfect examples and if that somehow turns people away or if that somehow like doesn't, you know, you know, get the, the message of Islam sort of across to the people who, who are not like Muslim yet. And, and of course, like with regarding to me, it's referring to my non-Muslim family members and friends. I mean, like sort of, will I be like held accountable if I don't uh, sort of, you know, like do the job, you know, uh, if you will. And of course, there's the example of Abu Talib, but I feel like this like question is more like geared like, you know, you know, you know, toward, um, you know, like, is there the consequence of not being uh, the perfect example? I mean, uh, 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 the prophet, peace be upon him, was the, the perfect example. And like Abu Talib, you know, he didn't like end up becoming Muslim under a majority opinion. But in terms of us and, and our surroundings and our context, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. Uh, let me also come back to your point uh, as well. Uh, I mean, some part of your question is, is if we're not the best uh, example that turns people away, uh, what's the level of our accountability and such? And, uh, and I can give personal examples of that, inshallah. Uh, let me, so let me also remember to come back to that too as well. And then, uh, Tawseef, what do you got? You know, on this, um, I had, I was thinking, um, you know, we need to remember um, kind of what we've been discussing this whole time and uh, about our relationship with Allah and how we understand reality and having husnul dhan of Allah subhanahu wa and this idea that he wants the best for us and he's focused 100% on us. Um, and that may uh, translate, translate the terminology. Hosnul done, so having, um, you know, a good disposition, good thoughts about Allah, as opposed to Su'ul uh, which is the other end of the spectrum, having negative thoughts or bad thoughts about how Allah will act towards you or, or does act or. Uh, so on and so forth. And, and I think that goes back to what we were discussing in Fatiha and throughout about the nature of Allah SWT and knowing him. Um, and I think that's a process that uh, in general as a community we are lacking in, and that affects all of our questions. Um, and secondly, I had a tangential thing um, that's yeah. not related to this, but it's just on uh, the reality of Akhirah. And I've been thinking over uh, some time that we don't have a proper conception of, of Akhirah and the reality of Akhirah. We just think of it this hard thing of after death, there's heaven and there's hell. And which, you know, it's kind of like the basic understanding that you need to have. But I, I feel like the Quran is telling us something more, something richer, something uh, more tangible for us. Okay, okay, we can try to get to that as well. Anyone else want to want to share some thoughts? Because I think this is a, uh, a profoundly central question uh, for even our experience as Muslims, not just in terms of this course. 
And your thoughts? Can I just elaborate on that? Because go for I, it, and feel I free to push back on anyone and everyone. Yeah. So, first of all, the 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 thought of we don't have to be perfect. This isn't about perfection. This, I think, especially as you age, you you see more imperfection, quite honestly. Um, and so, it's not a pressure of feeling I have to be perfect to get God's salvation. It's, it's again, knowing who I am and knowing what my reality of the context I'm in and what my day in, day out looks like and what I'm exposed to and then trying to reconcile with the ideals. Um, the other point of Hasnaldan, I completely agree with that. And I so that's why I was very careful to say this is not having Su'adlan because I do believe a lot of our mainstream culture is to have Su'adlan. We, we proclaim Hasnaban, but I think we behave so abundant. So it's not about having, it is, of course, having the most ultimate, sincere recognition of God's ultimate mercy. It's more, again, that human vulnerability of realizing, I know that it is only through your mercy that I will be able to be in salvation and not, and not anything about my deeds, right? And so that's where I, like I said, it's closing that gap of how can I even, it's embarrassing to ask Allah for the A plus when it's like, oh my God, I will only get into heaven by your ultimate mercy. Right. And so that's where I'm, I, again, that grapple of that gap. I'll give you another example. Like a couple of Ramadan ago, I came to this thought of like, I started to calculate. I'm like the amount of Muslims are in the global world, right? We're all fasting. I mean, fasting, we see it's, it's long days, especially this happened in the summer days, actually. And I was thinking, I was like, so I was like, either we are, Allah's really elevated us as a global ummah, because it's like, if you think about the amount of deeds, I mean, just that is so profound to me, the amount of fasting and prayers and tahajjud and people reading Quran and regardless of what their behaviors are like the rest of the year. So it's like, either we're very elevated or we're so not elevated and we are so on the other spectrum. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so this is where, I, I feel I struggle grappling. Are we on this? And not that we need to know, but it's again, it, it impacts how we behave, how what yeah. our outlook is. Okay, very good. Thank you for that. Anyone else want to want to share thoughts, reflections on this? No one else? Hazel, you want to go for something? Wolfhoth, you want to try? No, thanks. I got, I got my own issues I'm trying to figure out. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. <clears throat> Hazel's processing. So I do think part of the question is where do we position ourselves in terms of the concrete versus the unknown? And by positioning ourselves more and more as completely at the mercy of Allah, I think that's getting more and more closer to where we're supposed to be. That as we are embracing more and more of everything that's involved with our vulnerability and our humanity, I think we're getting more and more honest with ourselves. And so I might determine, okay, who am I to ask Allah for, you know, for anything, looking at me, looking at my reality, but the grace, the rahmah that Allah is offering me is that even if I'm the worst of the worst, I should ask for the best of the best. And of course, that best of the best should also include that, you know, I'm, 
I'm fulfilling the best of the best. And so what I would suggest in terms of the, the, the fundamental uh, aspect of, of your question, Asma, is that's uh, at or approaching where a person is seeking to be in how we frame ourselves. So contrast that with, with the stereotypical evangelical Christian. The stereotypical evangelical Christian is that my salvation is guaranteed. And, and if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're guaranteed as well. And we're not saying anything like that. We're saying, here is how reality operates. I don't even know what's going to happen with my future. And uh, the, 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 the generosity that the, that the divine is giving me is that's where I'm supposed to position myself. In this, uh, it's, it's essentially being comfort, being in a comfortable state in the unknown. So for example, a lot of the, the struggle that a lot of converts go through is, is they're, they're seeking some sort of black and white, some sort of black and white. And a lot of young people are seeking black and white, black and white. And in, uh, as we get older, similar to what you're saying, we're seeing that, okay, life is super complicated. There's all kinds of grays on just about everything. And part of the experience of life is getting uh, comfortable with the unknown of all of these things. And, and so to be able to then face Alatala and say, yeah, I tried. And my deeds are the closest thing that I have as evidence uh, that I tried. And if not my deeds, then what I was hoping my deeds to become. And then we throw ourselves at the mercy of the creator. What do you think? Yeah, see, I think that framework, and again, I, you're the like, I respect all your knowledge. To, and I, I, I don't know if this comes into everybody's individual framework, and perhaps it does, but I, I think that framework, then I can function, right? If I see that framework, and I don't know if we can globalize that type of a framework. Mm -hmm. it, it, or do you think we can, like, or is that more of a contextual where every human being is at? So, or is that age? Because I, I think that framework of, if we use it as our principle, and like I said, our framework, then I think everything else for, in my mind can fall into place, mm -hmm. right? Then I can understand these obligations or these roles or, but if that principle is not there, it is really hard for my mind to grapple because all I keep thinking is like, wait, I can't do, like, are you kidding me? Like, you asked me to do this. I'm not, who knows where I'm at? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, can it be globalized and universalized? I think some amount of it can be because I think we have, as a, as a, wor a Muslim world, we've sort of filled in the void with other things. And one of the things we've filled the void with is, is the claim uh, is, is claims like, you know, the Quran is scientifically, you know, making all these points about embryo and this and that before humans, uh, humans have been able to discover that. And that's been our attempt to claim truth. And effectively what I'm saying I'm, uh, is that as we are being taught how reality operates is that truth is our complete vulnerability and our complete humanity with everything that goes with being a human. And, and I mean, a funny story is that I was literally walking into the Masjid of Al-Azhar in Cairo. And this guy walks up to me and he gives me this book about the Quran and science. 
bro, I'm walking into a masjid. I, mean, I even said this to him in Arabic. I'm walking into this masjid. I'm probably not the person who needs this, you know. And 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 I think that has been what has been the foundation of 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 all faith for a whole lot of people. And that I think is is a house of cards. And and there are a few other things. Uh, often, you know, when someone else claims something great about the prophet, peace be upon him, then that becomes a legitimation for us. And as someone, however, is getting deeper into faith, it's it's literally, I think, it's comfort with the complete surrender of even the ground that you're standing on. Yeah. So I hope I'm able to <laughs> make that as a principal foundation in future classes yeah. or and maybe I missed it or I don't, again, I don't, I, I, or if it is something that we can broaden that globalization of, yeah. because yeah. I think in the, in the contemporary modern time, anything else, like you said, I really do think it is going to be a house of cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, measuring that reality on the ground. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And that house of cards is not just people losing faith. It's, you know, a point that I've made in previous classes is people losing the will to live that uh, we're already seeing we're already seeing that i mean how many suicides did i have among people that i know in the last year i think i've had five yeah that's that's completions of suicide not how many attempts and yeah and i i completely concur with your trajectory yeah. uh, i i don't uh, to me it is as as clear and yes as you age it's gray but some of these to me they're they really are as black and white as if you're looking at all the right signs, if you will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very good. Uh, well, yes. uh, Dr. Malahat. Yeah, I have a problem from the last five minutes of discussion between you and Asma. Uh, let's now, okay, I'm, I agree, I'm satisfied. Now actually universalize and let's choke on everybody's throat. No, that's not gonna work. That okay, means. okay, wait, wait, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? So, so if if that framework work for you or Asma yeah. does not universalize that framework for the rest of the Ummah, yeah. every on a different level of maturity or Iman. Yeah, keep going. So, and Iman, yes. And then their own way to look the Islam and act upon it and personalize the salvation. Mm -hmm. Keep going. How to how we can able to say, okay, this thing is working for me. Alhamdulillah, it's working for me. But you know that does not mean that's the biggest problem with the uh, with the Ummah right now. Everybody's saying my message is the right one. Now let's universalize that message. Okay, so so, so back to my point about uh, what do you think of the point I made about uh, that the Iman for so many people rests on this scientific claims about the Quran. Do you think is true for a lot of people? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people I, have that. I think it's true for a whole lot of people, uh, and. Uh, all it takes is for someone to come along and show that, well, okay, the Bible has even more. I mean, look at how yeah. big the Bible is. Yeah, but I think Tosif actually answered that point. You know, you have to give people benefit of doubt. You just cannot come with the with the sword of your hand of the judgmental thought mm -hmm. that if somebody's giving you a book of Islam, Quran, and science, that means that person probably doing with a good heart. Doesn't there's mean no that doubt about. There's no doubt about. We're not talking about anyone's sincerity here. 
No, I'm not saying that. I'm using an example, but uh, but I'm saying that if framework, one of the framework and understanding of the deen is work for me. There is, I'm having a hard time to say that, okay, let's universalize that thought process. Right. And then every problem will go away. Okay, well, no one, is, no one is also saying every problem is going to go that's, away. That's the gist of the discussion you and us are having. That is the interpretation you are having of the discussion that we are having. Okay, right. I mean, the whole point about having a good heart that would also be applied to the discussion we're having here too. And so, so the point here is you would agree that there are some fundamental problems in the thought and practice of Islam across the world. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I am suggesting that one of the places that that thought, one of the places where the problem is existing, and I think you would agree, is in how we are conceiving of, of Islam and how we're conceiving of reality. I mean, that's been literally the gist of this whole course. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, yeah. There's no doubt about that part. Yeah. I'm just challenging for the last five minutes of discussion or seven minutes of discussion is that, you know, the way it's framed, it's that the things are working for, for me, should work for the rest of the Ummah. I think well, it's very pure assessment. I mean, we're also speaking about, uh, I mean, we're not just speaking here as people who are not involved in the community, right? You know, uh, I think I have a little bit of experience in, in how the community operates, including all of the secret places of the community. No, 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 I, I don't want to challenge you. Uh, <laughs> your thought no, that's problem. not the point. No, no, the point I'm making is, is that, uh, you can push back and say, okay, this works for this person, this doesn't work for that person, fine. But I'm hey. suggesting very openly and what sounds like aggressively is that no, this is actually uh, a central uh, issue all across the board. One of the central, I agree, but not a core issue. I think I it's absolutely a core issue. Yeah, because he, okay, so the different framework work for the different people, the activist, if somebody is actually doing the charity, if he see the salvation in the char charity and do something good for, you know, for the community, that's the one section, right? The other one see just to propagate the message of Quran, and the other one see to just go and, you know, for dawah or jihad. So different interpretation for the different. But type. every single example you're giving is an example of action. We're not talking about action here. We're talking about what is it that I need in terms of my consciousness. And think about what is, what is the, if you could summarize what was the point that was being made. The point that was being made is that I have to be comfortable with being completely at the mercy of Allah. That sounds 100% Islamic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. So what's the problem with that, with that teaching? No, not the teaching, the framework. What's the problem with the framework? That that's maybe a multiple framework out there. Okay, so so come up with something better or more closely in terms of understanding of the deen than me saying that I have to be comfortable with being at the mercy of Allah. But I give you the example for the actions. Those actions speak louder than words. Okay, okay, okay. okay. This, uh, you and I will have to continue this conversation uh, okay. uh, outside of the call, inshallah. Uh, Hazel and Dr. Kazi. Okay, so the uh, assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Wa alaikum um, assalam warahmatullah. So I I was 
cackling over here with the fact that somebody was giving you that little science book <laughs> um, because, you know, it used to call me Papa Gomez, but I, I loved that. Uh, book translate my... what that means to, for everyone else. So the year that I was MSA president at Loyola, I was constantly passing out flyers to everybody. And in Muzaffar's class, he would call me Papa Gomez as in Propaganda Gomez. So anyway, <laughs> um, so that book um, in my early days of being Muslim, I actually just loved it because it for me in my, you know, roller coaster journey I've been through for me, it, it like it made Islam that much more real. In, in a society and in a family where the people who were becoming more and more religious and more and more involved in community work, but being tyrants at home, like it, it was something that um, I hated, my, my close family hated. And so coming into Islam and having something almost like very scientific, like even the hadith about 360 joints that are required in our body that are required to give in sadaqah. And, and like when you look at there's what, I think four small joints within our ears. I mean, that just like blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, how did the Prophet know that there's these like itty bitty little joints in our ears? So all that to say it um, is that because, because our society and our communities get so heartbroken when people who are striving to get closer to their Lord and all this other junk um, of diseases of the heart become manifested, it can be very disheartening. And so just sharing my experience, like that little book, for example, was something that it, it was my truth in that moment. Like, yes, obviously Allah was there and, and my worship was there, but it was also like, this is a truth. This has nothing to do with people. Um, and, and so as you were all, you know, having this conversation on like living as people of faith and being at the complete mercy of God, it's, it's almost this fitna of, of, as we try to strive to get closer to God, like we get tested more and a lot of people get tested more. And so like when there's these public fallings, for example, then it, it creates, I mean, Mazafar, you, you, you know, everything, right. <laughs> you know about all this stuff. So it's, it creates this like ripple in the community of like, well, what's the point of even trying to get closer to God, right? Like here's somebody that I looked up to and bam. And so all that to say is like that sometimes, honestly, that little book of science, it grounds me mm -hmm. because it's this moment of like, I don't have to deal with folks right now. Like I can just look at this book of, of all these scientific miracles and I don't even have to deal with folks right now. Like this is what Allah says. So it's, it's a really hard balance, I guess, is all I'm trying to say. So there's, there's a couple of points in what you're sharing. Number one, what is it, what does it take for someone to enter into the faith? And for that type of thing, for someone to have something that can uh, sort of give them some exhilaration of faith, then all these things are good, right? So whether we're talking about science in, in, in the Quran or whether we're talking about someone else's praise for, for Islam or even a celebrity who, who becomes Muslim, right? Um, those do give a boost to people. Uh, but, uh, and, and it's fine if that is a refuge for a person, but that, uh, uh, I don't think that changes the point though, that it is not sufficient to sustain faith or 
or um, to to actually you know grow in terms of faith? No, it's it's not sufficient. Um, I guess for me, I when colleagues that are not Muslim who I thought lived ethically, and that's me imposing my ethical values on other people. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, um, yeah, it, it really um, it really breaks my heart because I've seen stuff happen, and I'm just like, man. I wish you were Muslim. Like in my head, I'm just like, I really wish you were Muslim. Like there would just be some more grounding, you know, hopefully in your life. And so it's not saying that those moments of holding on to that book, for example, like solidify my faith. It, it just takes me back maybe to like 18 year old Hazel. Yeah. I was going to uh, suggest and, maybe it's, it's more than the book itself. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It's not just, yeah. So just want to share that. Yeah. No, thank you for that. I mean, you're reminding me of a, a story of a, a friend of mine um he he uh he's somehow found himself with some some muslims that looked like they're recent convert and they were all mexican and then he asked them you know the standard question that's asked to every convert that i'm sure ahunt and hazel and jewel and, and a few others here have been asked a hundred million times you know why did you become muslim and he uh and he pointed they were eating dinner he pointed to their plates and they're like, you know, so my friend's like, what are you talking about? And, and so these guys said that they worked in a cafeteria in a dorm. And so they're always washing the dishes for all these students. And, and then, uh, but they would always notice there would be these couple of plates that would come in completely clean. And, you know, it was something that at first they just glanced at, then they started noticing it over and over again. And then it started getting their curiosity. You know, why is it that there's always this couple of plates that are just always spotlessly clean? It's obviously someone ate on them, but they're still clean. And then they found out it was these Muslims. It was their plates because they were raised and taught that you have to clean your plate completely. You know, um, you know all the food rather than all these other students who were just, you know, throwing away tons and tons of food. And that was what inspired them to become Muslim. And, and, and mashallah. And so it's possible that when they go through their struggles, uh, that moments like that also remind them as well. And I think all of us, if we actually think back to moments in life that are sort of, you know, our, our anchor moments, uh, whether we realize it or not, I think everybody in this classroom has those moments, you know, where maybe the perfect thing happened at the perfect time or the thing I needed to happen happened, may not even been a good moment, but those are anchor moments. So I think those, yours is a good example of that. Dakadi. Asalaamu Alaikum. So going full circle back to science and uh, submission, this is, uh, it brings to mind an incident that happened with me about uh, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, a person uh, had asked me, a, a colleague had asked me why about the beard, but uh, or the, some questions about Islam. Did you say? The beard. Yeah, yeah. About oh, your beard. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, beard and then uh, questions about, the, about Islam. The alcohol and the beard. So okay, at that point, uh, it was it was Ramadan and uh, I had invited a local visiting scholar to my home. So I invited uh, the colleague to come and break fast with us. And I thought being a scholar, he could uh, give the answers uh, better than I could. So the same question was asked, so why do Muslim men have beards? The gentleman says, well, it's been scientifically proven that when you're eating, uh, the beard screens the bacteria from 
entering your mouth. And I was just flabbergasted. I said, what the heck did I do? So, uh, okay, okay. Explain, explain why you were flabbergasted for everybody. I mean, I know you and a few of us know you, but explain why you were flabbergasted. Because he said bacteria, you should have said viruses. <laughs> so uh, it's just that, you know, he could have just said the same, given the same answer I gave the next day to the person that this is the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But uh, the, the point uh, pertinent to the discussion is how science and uh, being uh, awestruck by science had penetrated that deep into our ummah. So uh, just to uh, demonstrate that. So the next day, uh, the credit goes to that person, non-Muslim person. They, they took their endless rights, they didn't challenge, they said politely, oh, so, so interesting and so forth and withdrew. Next day, uh, they asked me, so Kaz, do you really believe that? I said, no, I don't. So, so wait, 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 have... which part? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I just got lost uh, here. The, the, the beard screening the bacteria. Okay, got it. Okay. So, do you really believe that? I said, no, I don't. So, so why do you have a beard? For me, it's a simple uh, uh, following the pro example of the Prophet. I don't need a reason more, more than that. And the person looks me in the eye and says, you know, that's the most compelling argument that anybody could give and was fine with it. So uh, that same person I had given uh, a book uh, by Maulana Wahiduddin, uh, This is Islam, and I had given the Quran. And I can recall the comment uh, the person ma made uh, saying that when I read the Quran, I find it so vast and so open. And when I read the book, I find it so constricting. You know, the, and at the moment, at the time, I was arguing on behalf of the book. No, 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 this is Islam and so forth. But 30 years on, I think uh, that was a very, very valuable life lesson that was taught to me by a non-Muslim. Yeah, very, very interesting. Thank you. And your thoughts, reflections? Okay, we have a, a few minutes left. Let me try to touch on some of these, uh, some of these uh, other points that were raised. Okay, so Tosif, uh, on your point on on uh, Akhira, uh, uh, can I actually uh, ask you to explain expand on that? You said like we, we don't really have a, a proper understanding of Akhira. Explain this more, because I think this ties. Yeah, um, I, I think there is a lot to say about that, but um, just kind of fundamentally, the way we think about it and the way we're taught about it is just like the simple. Um, it, it seems, you know, it, very abstract. It seems very like otherworldly. It seems mm -hmm. hard to comprehend. It seems uh, not something you can touch. Not, I mean, which I mean, I get it. There's kind of built in because it's ghaib. Um, but the sense you get from reading it seems so present when you read Quran, mm -hmm. um, and it's very real like it's uh, in the way it is it is presented and i don't think that sense exists for the masses like you know like in in, in the way that quran is taught sometimes or too often or especially in our communities so that's partly what i was getting at mm -hmm. so uh if you uh if you get the chance um Reflect on the depictions of paradise, for example, in Surah Waqiyah, 
And then likewise, if you have access to Riyadh Salihin, like in person or online, um, look at the very last chapters where the Prophet peace be upon him was talking about paradise. And, and reflect on you know, how, you, how all that strikes you. And so when we look at all the different depictions of, of the afterlife, um, what are the common themes? One common theme is that, okay, it's near, okay, which is sort of an abstract concept, um, or do I regard it as near as tomorrow? Uh, another is that it's inevitable, right? Walk it, uh, literally. Um, uh, on the one hand, it's described as being beyond imagination. Yet on the other hand, we are taught about all kinds of physical things that are there. And I think all of these, yes, exactly, all of these uh, points uh, work for a person at a different point in their day, in their mood, in their life and such. Uh, uh, the goal to strive to, which I think is central to your question, is that I want to be able to conceive of the day of judgment as real for me as the moment that I'm sitting in. If that is perhaps beyond anything I can imagine myself reaching, but Allah knows best. So if that's too difficult, then can I make it as real for me as how real tomorrow morning is? And if that's too difficult, can I make it as real for me as you know, how I conceive of what, what the world is like, what I'm like, what life is like a year from now. How vivid is that? That's one side of it. The other side of it is to spend time at cemeteries and reflect on the fact that at this cemetery was a person like me who had hopes and dreams and everything, and it came to an end, came to the ine inevitable end. But then on top of that, you know, numerous people perhaps have visited this person's grave. And now those people are in other cemeteries. And this person, except for the name on the stone, is perhaps forgotten. Especially if you go like to an old cemetery, you know, where the, the graves are from 100 years ago. And so that would be another exercise in the reality of it. So one side is, is trying, to uh, trying to make the actual conception more and more real. And the other side is to make the fleeting nature of this world more and more real as exercises towards that. But uh, I do think the more we are immersed in dunya, then as a consequence, the more the day of judgment literally becomes a fantasy. And I think that's also what you're, what you're also tapping into is that uh, even when I'm, you know, I'm complaining that much of Islam in America is focused on identity, it means that the reality of the day of judgment, the day of judgment becomes a wonderful idea as opposed to the most real of reals that we're going to be experiencing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you uh, described my question better than I did. <laughs> no, um, thank you. Uh, it has, it's very helpful to think about these things. When you brought up cemeteries, for instance, that um, is really intriguing because we read so much in um, the literature and it's always a bit alienating. Cause it's like, okay, what were they doing at the cemetery? You know, cause it, I put myself in that place. I'm at the cemetery and yes, I've been in there in moments of profundity and loss and all of these things, but you know, they're in the ground, but there's this whole reality to the grave that seems like I'm so distanced from, but they were so close to, and you know, yeah. uh, 
so that kind of helps me put understand that and think about it and um yeah i mean one thing that's that's strange or moving for me is when i go to a library or a bookstore those of you who are younger we used to have these things that are called libraries and, and bookstores we had these things called books but in any case that if you look at a shelf of books and think of how long it took eat to it took to oh much how long it took to write each book yeah so let's say each book just took a full-time effort on the author for a, a whole year and then on the bookshelf you have 20 of those and then on a full bookshelf, you have maybe a hundred of those, but in a bookstore and a library, you might have 10, 20, 30,000 of, of those. And then in the blink of an eye, it's all gonna be erased. That it is essentially nothing more than a sandcastle at the edge of the beach. Yeah. That is the nature of this world. And prior to that is a simple fact that every single one of us is going to be forgotten at some point in this dunya. So those were all, uh, I think, again, those all focus more on the temporality of this world, that everything in this world is basically a sandcastle. You know, the sand itself is also a sandcastle. You know, that's going to be wiped away. And Malahat, what was, uh, what's uh, uh, Ahmed Abzal's line? It's something about footprints, but it's like footprints in sand or something like that. Yeah, footprint on sand, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so fundamentally, that's our whole, our whole experience. It's the sand of time. It's the sand of time. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yes, time is moving forward. That's effectively what all we are are in this world, and at the same time, Allah is telling us that we are the most precious of all creation. So we'll be moving into this world that fundamentally is indifferent to our existence, to a world where we are looked at as the most prized of prized. At the mercy of Allah. Okay, inshallah. Uh, good discussion. And and those of you uh, have no worry about me and Malahat, where we're actually old friends. So so that's part of the fun of our conversations. So we'll stop right here and then we'll continue tomorrow. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah tell you all, inshallah, and we'll see you tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa